Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Peony on Magazine Street. Exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Aschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. All of us are looking for happiness. Uh, some of us believe we'll achieve it when we get something like a new job. Partly it's human nature to think like this, it gives us hope, but it's also a kind of jealousy. To some extent, we all want what we haven't got. For example, have you ever noticed when you meet someone new and find out what they do, you might find yourself thinking that their job seems way more exciting than whatever you do and probably pays more too. Universally, the very pinnacle of this job envy is showbiz. The music business and the film business appear to be far more glamorous than anything else that any of us are doing for a living. Sure, not everybody can be a rock star or a movie star, but it seems from the outside at least that going to work making movies, records, or concerts has gotta be a great way to make a living. Today, we get the chance to find out what it's really like in the enviable and glamorous world of movies and music. Both of my guests are people who are instrumental in creating the local film and music business. Tavia Osby might not be a familiar name to you, but the musical artists she manages are. Tavia guides the careers of Tank and the Bangas, Big Frida, Sweet Crude, Naughty Professor, and others. Tavia is the co-founder and owner of the local music management company, Mid-Citizen Entertainment. Tavia, welcome down to lunch. Thank you for having me, Peter. Happy to be here. Now, Jason Wagensback is probably another name you don't recognize unless you stick around for the final credits of a movie like Terminator Genesis or the true Don Quixote, Bill and Ted Face the Music, When the Bow Breaks, and many more over the past 13 years or so. Jason's job title is one of the greatest examples you can find of job envy. He's CEO and head of possibilities at the Ranch Film Studios. The Ranch is the second biggest film studio in Louisiana on a 22-acre complex that started out life in a far less glamorous role as a Lowe's and Chalmette. Jason, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thanks for having me. Tavia, managing a band has got to be the ultimate balancing act. On the one hand, you're running a business. You have to negotiate with promoters, club owners, record label executives, and you have to handle marketing by interfacing with publicists and members of the media. On the other hand, you have to manage the egos, personalities, and unique demands of musicians who are the product that you're packaging and selling. Because of biopics and other outlets like TMZ, we're all very familiar with the lives of musicians, both the hardships at the beginning and the stresses that come with success, including drug addiction and other struggles, but we're much less familiar with the life story of artist managers. Tank and the Bangas has enjoyed a lot of success and has gotten nationwide recognition over the last few years. As their manager, how has your own life and career changed over that time? 
That's such a a big question. Um, uh, Taking a bangers in my relationship is one that's uh, very unique. I think when we were starting out on a journey together, um, both of us was inexperienced. I started out with just Tank. Tank became a part of a collective that birthed Tank and the Bangers. Um, and when I first met Tank, I was a 911 operator and I worked in the administration department at the USA. Um, so uh, my life and career uh, definitely trained, uh, changed drastically. Um, after uh, becoming Tank's manager, I noticed at work, I was always, not at 911, of course, but <laughs> at my administration desk, I was always like working on stuff for Tank. And I saw how like passionate I was about it. And I was like, well, I, you know, I really enjoy this. Um, and after a year of working with her, um, still nobody really, you know, like knew us in on the masses. She was mainly known at that time as a poet. Um, I quit my jobs, and my mom was like, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> um, so I would say, like, my life and career has been like a roller coaster because after quitting my job and us full force I learned that okay I'm I'm definitely not making a bunch of money um and I lived off savings for like six months and after those six months I started like picking up like part-time and jobs teaching classes kind of doing whatever I could do but uh I always share the story I love my house my car and the next six years, I stayed dedicated, seven years, I'm sorry, I stayed dedicated to managing the band and managing Tank. Um, and I'm grateful I had a support system. I lived with my aunt for a year. One of my college professors provided me free room and board for two years. And then I had a friend that I stayed with for two and a half years. And um, 2018, 2017, of course, everybody know the band won uh, Tiny Desk, which definitely uh, took all of our careers in a, in a different direction. And I was able to gain financial stability again. And in 2018, I was able to get back in my own home <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and start a management company. And now I, I own my own home now. So I, I would say my uh, career uh, has taken an uptick, but it's definitely been a roller coaster ride that I wanted to get off many times. Courageous and successful. That's terrific. Now, Jason, the film business in New Orleans and Louisiana seems to be on a roller coaster. We went from a trickle of production to making more movies than they were making out in Hollywood at one point. Then the Louisiana legislature changed the tax credit structure and a lot of that business now went over to Georgia. Then we started hearing about things coming back and the business seemed to be picking up steam. Then we were hit by the pandemic, which basically shut down all the movie and TV production everywhere, including here. The last I heard is we're back in the category of things are picking up. 
As the film studio head of possibilities, you are probably supposed to have a rose-colored, optimistic view of what's possible, but let's start with what is reality. Uh, what is the current state of the film business in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and in particular, your studio, The Ranch? Well, I can tell you right now, um, it is the latter, which is we are picking up. So COVID did put a good damper in us where we had six months of no production that was going on in the state of Louisiana. But what happened was, is each of the unions, the major unions, SAG, AFTRA, the DGA, and the unions, the IATSE union, all got together and said, all right, how is it we can actually make this a reality and get back to work safely? So the policies and procedures that were set in place were far and beyond just about any industry that you can possibly speak of during the COVID times for us to actually physically get back to work again. They, first of all, they started creating pods where only a certain amount of people can go in to set as well as stay away from each other while we're on a uh, filming location, whether it's at a studio at my facility or on a physical location at a house or at an office building. So they're keeping the social distance apart. They're also keeping the amount of people that go inside of a set to a minimum to allow for the exposure to be as low as possible. Because obviously, as we know, the majority of the shows that are being filmed have actors that don't have PPE on. So they are going to be completely exposed. So they go through a rigorous testing phase where everybody has to get tested at least once a week. And as close as you start getting towards the actor, you have to start getting tested two, three, and sometimes five times a week to ensure that you are not uh, going to be infecting anybody who cannot have any protection on. So our policies and procedures have, like I said, superseded any industry that we've seen out there. We've been applauded by that and therefore it allowed us to go back to work at the end of August, early September here in Louisiana. And we have been rolling. We've been doing very, very well. There has not been any outbreaks that we know of other than maybe a day or two where a production wanted to cautiously go down. And the productions are really starting to ramp back up and we're getting a ton of calls for 2021 to be one of the busier years on record here. And Jason, it's one thing to, you know, just talk about how optimistic you are, but you have really put, uh, put down some money in that you are now expanding out to Araby uh, to a facility that I know this seems like a non sequitur for the show, but it used to be a Ford factory. Did we build cars here at one point? So in 1921, Henry Ford decided, I think I can use the river and the rail line to expand my Ford operations as far and as wide into the United States as possible. So he hired a man by the name of Albert Kahn who created the skyline in, De in Detroit Motor City to come down and architecturally put together the plans to build the Ford assembly plant in Araby, Louisiana. And it was finished in 1923 and they were assembling over 600 cars a day in that facility for over a decade. And it actually changed hands a couple of times. It actually went to Toyota at one point and went to the army at one point and ended up with a private owner who ended up using it for storage when we came along and started using it for a storage as well for the film industry and decided to buy the building and make it an expansion into what we hope is going to be now an assembly place, but for creative minds. We wanna take the film and television industry, the core competency of what we do here. And I wanna bring in the opportunities for content creators of all levels. That means gamers, that means short form content, podcast creators. We obviously wanna have a musical element involved. We were very big into the musical elements here in the greater New Orleans area. And we wanna have a collaboration of creatives in one environment in a massive 225,000 square foot facility that sits on 27 acres. So we're gonna double our facility and we're really excited about that opportunity. Wow. Now, Tavi, I, when I think of all the things 
you must deal with? I mean, most people would think, oh, I'm I'm out there making sure the artists don't get those blue M&Ms or things like that. But there's you, I can't even imagine the amount of issues you've come up with. Like one of the great bands you take care of, Sweet Crude, that I love. Um, I remember reading in the paper that they were somewhere, I don't know if it was in San Francisco, where their van was stolen with all their instruments in it. Uh, what are, are you just the... Uh, you just the person, the first person all these musicians call? Um, I don't handle Sweet Crude's day to day, but I am on their team. And yes, okay. the van was uh take uh their the equipment from the van was taken. A lot of bands actually went go through that in San Francisco. It's like a known thing. Um, but yet when things like that happen, like our bands typically call us first, kind of like when any major thing happened, you're kind of like a, a therapist or <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're like, you fall under a big umbrella of things. Um, but yeah, you're the first person they call and you're the, and they want to know like, how can you help get this fixed? Well, I can, I can imagine one of the, the, or I guess the stereotypes is that musicians really aren't terrific business people or terrific with their money. What do you do to help them out in terms of making them a viable business where they can make some money? Well, we try to get all our bands set up as LLC so they can operate as a business and not just like getting money uh like do things like set them up with an accountant have them get set up on salaries go over their um monthly expenses with them we try to keep like a tight bookkeeping system between us the accountant and the band um for me the acts that i work with on day-to-day we have like these monthly financial call meetings like this is what you guys have coming in and this is what money should be spent on. We do uh, equipment budgets, like some of our bands, like rent, rehearsal and studio spaces. So I'm really like vocal with my ex about like what they're spending on, how they're spending. And um, just saying like, this is the best option. This is what I suggest. Um, Not everybody go with your suggestions, but I would say for the most part, we have artists that truly trust us and follow our lead on things like that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Tavia Osby, who manages some of New Orleans' most successful and interesting musicians, including Tank and the Bangas and Big Frida, and Jason Wagensback, who is CEO and has the intriguing title of Head of Possibilities at the Ranch Film Studio. Jason, you, um, the more I was looking at things, I, I picture you with this studio and such, but you're on the front end too. You're trying to pitch uh, films to get done here, right? Yeah, I mean, that's been my ultimate goal. I got into this business to produce content. You know, I love stories and I love storytellers. And uh, a lot like Tavia, I love creators and I want to help creators Um, obviously reach the pinnacle of success because if they're successful, I'm successful. And I obviously want to do it in in, uh, my home state. I'm originally from Baton Rouge, but I don't want to go anywhere. I raised my family here. I I love New Orleans more than anything. It it has definitely been a great, it's been great to me. And Chalmette has been really wonderful to me. And there's so much energy in this city 
that I believe that we're on the pinnacle of uh, really great success in this city and to being you know, great storytellers and great content creators. And I actually want to speak a little bit to what you're asking, Tavia, which is I noticed before um, I started the studio, actually, I think it was right when I started the studio, Google actually started this sort of speed gating entrepreneurial event for musicians because they were noticing the musicians were having a tough time licensing their IP, branding themselves, understanding how to get proper LLC set up, and then actually promoting themselves. So they actually did a speed dating event with like eight different um, sectors where they would have a marketing section where Google would go in and show them how to set themselves up on a platform. They'd have an IP and intellectual property lawyer to tell them, here's how you actually license your IP. Here's how you set up your LLC. They had sound teams there that were actually helping them how to actually uh, record in a proper uh, uh, manifestation to get them onto online, to get their music there. I feel like there's such an entrepreneurial spirit happening here now around the creatives that I think that there's going to be a revolution of success here in the next couple of years. You see the city getting behind the music initiative right now, which I think is really important. And I want to be there to create the content and to put the right people in place to allow for all that beauty that this city has to offer, that beautiful music that comes out of here, those beautiful stories that come out of here for an international audience to be able to take it in, not just a local Louisiana audience, not just in the domestic United States of America, but we have a massive international following that surrounds New Orleans. And what better way to kind of get it going, but through music, through film and through telling stories. And that's really my hope and dream here. And Tavi, you one of the big successes you had is when you got Tank and the Bangas uh, onto the NPR Tiny Desk concert, which uh, shameless promotion <laughs> here for NPR, but uh, it is, uh, and then they won it all. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to tell me that this was all happenstance. How did you get them into Well, that? at the time of uh, the, every year NPR due to the submission for Tiny Desk, well, at the time it was the past three years. And um, the year prior, I was trying to talk them into submitting but they just were like not into it you know it was like it's all those people you know like nobody really believes those competitions you know make sense but the following year I had like this really strong feeling and actually like just going back to one of the first questions you talked about was like my journey I was actually going to quit. I had like made it up in my mind. You know, I don't know if like I could get the band over to the next level in their careers. And I put the tiny desk submission on the band's calendar as a show and not a tiny desk submission. So I put it on uh, and they, they showed up a tank sent out wardrobe. Uh, they showed up and and we did the video, right? We had cameras and we had like a sound system set up, right? And so I saw that video and I was like, oh, it's cool. But we also had an iPhone video of it. And I saw the iPhone video. Don't tell and I was Jason like, that. He doesn't <laughs> want to know. <laughs> I was like, this is like I don't know what it was, but it was like this the this what we should submit. So we submit the video and it takes about it took like about a month. We submitted on the last day of submissions and it took about a month. And I got a call from Bob Boylan and he was asking, was the band available for a phone call? And I on a certain time and I was like, yeah. And I called Tank and I said, I think y'all want Tiny Desk. 
And she said, why you think that? I said, well, I don't think Bob would call me to tell me we lost. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the following week, we got the call and things just took off from there. But that's how I got them to do it. I put it on the calendar as if it was a show. Um, and I don't think that we knew the impact that Tiny Desk But it was a game changer, us. right? You it was sold out concerts and... God, that is uh, that is great. Now, Jason, when you call yourself the ranch in the in the movie business, all I can think of is that um, is the Spawn Ranch out in outside of L.A. where the Mansons hung out. You're, did you name it after them? No, I certainly did not. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that though, because uh, when I started this business and really wanted to take on a film studio, I I decided to do a little research in the history of uh, L.A. and and how it is that they actually began as studios. And in a way, you're right, they all started as ranches because at the time when you were building, you know, um, uh, buildings to actually go in and build sets inside of, a lot of them were on Westerns. And so they're out in these, you know, these remote locations on ranches where they film these beautiful country and Western shows. And so they would call them the Universal Ranch or the Paramount Ranch. And then what I did was before I became a studio executive, I was a location manager and scout. And as I would come out here to Chalmette, Louisiana, we would call this the little country outside the city, because if you get five miles past Chalmette, you have these beautiful Midwestern country settings that we would film a lot of stuff in, the Lucky One and Homefront. And there's these beautiful plantations out here that were very close in proximity um, to the radius of downtown New Orleans. And then my financial partner um, and co-founder here, he shows up, Sidney Torres shows up. Uh, with this huge belt buckle one day. And I said, Sydney, I said, why do you have such a cowboy's belt buckle on? I didn't know you were, uh, you know, you were into cowboy. And he's like, you know, I own a bunch of horses now, but as a kid, I always dreamed of being a cowboy. And I said, well, man, all these lines are intersecting. I have to call this space the ranch. And so that's how the name culminated. And that's what we ended up branding. And Obviously, it's going a long way, and the name sticks. We have a, you know, we have a great setting for what we've created here, and people recognize us right away when you say the ranch. <laughs> That's a great story, uh, Tavia. Let me ask you: um, in this era, what are you telling your clients? Uh, you know, I see streaming, and I see the uh, the little virtual tip jar. What are you doing to keep them going? We've been point. tapping into other avenues, um, other things that our ex had wanted to explore, um, like TV, writing books, um, doing like sync work. Um, we've been kind of pivoting because most of our ex are heavily on tour. So uh, most of their income was coming from porn. Um, so we've just uh, maximized on some of the other areas of their careers they want to touch. And we've been um, exploring those areas. And um, I'm quite grateful that we've been able to keep our artists above water during this time. It's been rough, but we're, we're doing pretty good. And tell me, you, we, think of, um, we think of your business, I mean, like 50 years ago, what your business would have been is uh, convincing DJs to spin the record of, uh, of some <laughs> artist, uh, um, but it's still promotional, right? It's, um, you've got to be out there. Yep. Now we're convincing uh, people like Spotify and Apple uh, for playlist placements. 
um, Spotify and Apple have their playlist playlisting period, not just Spotify and Apple, Deezer, Pandora, all those um, online streaming uh, companies um that's the new radio that's the new dj especially during quarantine when clubs are closed where there's not as many djs you because you still want to go to djs and say hey play this song but playlisting is the new radio now tavi that is that is great i'm always on the other side just watching but i wanted to <laughs> wanted to find out what that was about uh, making music and making movies have their own challenges Life in the trenches of the film business and the music industry is no picnic. But Tommy and Jason, there are people like you who seem to be born to work in these businesses, who thrive in the unique highs and lows of these industries, and who wouldn't be happy doing anything else. Tavi, I do not think you're going to go back to being a 911 operator. No, I won't. <laughs> those of us who love music and movies and especially the local components of those industries are very appreciative of everything you're doing. Thank you both for making us music and movies and taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me as well. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Tavia Osby, artist, manager, and owner of Mid-Citizen Entertainment, and Jason Wagonspack, CEO and Head of Possibilities at the Ranch Film Studios. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Jason and the local film business and Tavia and the local music business by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. One of these days soon, we're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table. Until then, Commander's Palace is open for dinner seven nights a week and brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 